Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My name is Kabe Hoda. I think I'm saying that correctly. I am the host of this medical humorish sort of podcasty thing that you're listening to. Sorry. Um, I have an interesting show today. I'm so glad you're all here to to hear it and to share this with me. There's two guests that have not been on the show before. I'm excited to have them both on. I've interacted with them both a ton on social media, but I have not as of yet, met them in the Zoom space, at least. Uh, let's start with Dr. Solman Aziz Mirza, the most Persian-sounding name for a non-Persian doctor in the history of doctors. Dr. Mirza, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I have a six-day-old baby that's, you know, supposed to be asleep right now, but it's wanting some milk. But, you know, we're dealing with that. We're working with that. So, Thanks, Kaveh. Hopefully, I said that the right way. And is yeah. you know, is that some a name that you picked up along the way, or it's really Bob? Oh. And oh. I just thought, what would be better for radio, um, Bob, or a name that no one can pronounce? <laughs> so you, you need the uniqueness. You got to stand out. <laughs> what a six a six day old baby! I know. You I know. Okay? We tried to plan you, it. You hold yeah. it up. You know, it's it's weird because, you know, I've shifted my sleep schedule now to kind of be like, I'm trying to give my wife the nights off to try to sleep off through the night. Yeah. But now I'm awake during the night. So I was like, oh, you know, this would be great. I'll do 11, 11 p.m. Eastern time, standard time. We'll record this. And the baby's not cooperating, of course. So, you no. know, we're making it work. Nah, no. they, never, they never play along. Can I ask you, um, is this your first? This is not my first. This is number four. So, okay. oh, my goodness. This so that's why. Terrible life decisions. Yeah. No. No, hey, listen, that come man, you, you know the world must be peopled, and it, it might as well be from from you. So uh, uh, that's great, man. Congrats, Mazeltov. Thank you, thank you. Buongiorno, uh, buongiorno. Uh, yeah, exactly. Prego, ragu. <laughs> uh, and tell us, tell the good people, the good listeners, uh, well, what you do. Yeah, so I am a psychiatrist. I'm one of those people who during their doctor colleging was like, you know what? I don't want to touch people. I don't want to touch human bodies. I just want to sit across the room from them and just like chit chat here and there. So I was like, what's a better job than psychiatry? Um, I thought it was super fascinating, really interesting. So that's what, that's what got me into it. I about over five years out of my residency and my fellowship, I am in Northern Virginia, do some work with the health system over here, working with mostly kids and adolescents. Um, so I, love child adolescence psychiatry work um i work have a practice working with adults i do a lot of stuff in addiction um and i do some stuff with 
the National Basketball Players Association. Not my favorite basketball team, the Wizards, but I work. You know what? I mean, the Wizards, that's who I work with. Ideally, I'd love to be out with you guys on the West Coast with my favorite team. You know, our, we have a, we have a common love of the Warriors, and that's right. I feel like I feel like I could really help out Draymond and his uh, certain fascination he has for punching people below the belt. But I would love to. Ha- I would. I would love to do it. Actually, just let's bookmark this for a future date. Uh, yeah. uh, NBA episode. Uh, I'm serious. Yeah, I had, I had Rick Barry on the show. Actually, that was oh, really wow. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Would love to to get you on to do that. We'll we'll get to that, but that's not what we're going to talk we'll about today. We have a very different nope. subject today, which is I think uh, equally fascinating. Joining us to help with this conversation is a second year medical student. I'm not going to give you his real name. I'm going to give you his nom de guerre. De guerre. I, I I say that wrong. Apparently, people ridicule me for it, but I'll give you his pseudonym, which is Bone Wizard. Bone. I'm just gonna Whoa. call you. I'm just gonna call you Bone or that Bony works. or some variation of Bone. Let's. <laughs> it's. Let, I've got every variation at this point. First, uh, for people who are relatively new to the show and haven't heard when I've had guests on that don't want to use their real name, like doctors or student doctors, such as Bone Wizard here, can you briefly explain to people why it is that someone in your stage of uh, your your career? would not want to use their real name. Because some people are listening right now and like, I don't understand. Why won't he say his real name? You know, Jack Smith. I'm so, oh shit, I just said your real name. I'm so sorry. I'll edit that out. Don't oh worry. no, the real the um, white name. <laughs> you were John Doe. No. Um, yeah, there we go. So uh, yeah. you tell people why, first of all, you wouldn't want to use yeah. it. Yeah, so um, what, I guess one of the biggest things, because when I first started Twitter, which is where that name came from, um, it was during the middle of, so I'm a second year, right? So it's been two years ago when I started med school. Uh, we had had the, the pandemic with the MCAT going on, uh, the medical school test, and uh, they canceled it a bunch on us. And uh, in, a, in a fit of, uh, I, I want to burn the world down around me, I made a fake Twitter account and started making memes. Um, and I also started sending um, free resources uh, for people um, to not have to pay for things with the, the AMC makes them pay for. Uh, and eventually I got blocked by the MCAT Twitter um, because I annoyed them so much with my bot that I made to um, send free resources. So <laughs> that's where that started. Uh, and then I realized that with my like name being uh, anonymous, I could do a lot more with like, you know, advocacy uh, and organizing things and, you know, and it just cascaded from there. And then it, you know, it doesn't backfire on me as badly when a physician or a someone higher than me, someone that's a doctor and DDO, whatever, um, you know, anything higher than the med suit, which is just about everything, uh, yeah. gets upset with what I say. They can't find me, you know, yeah. and they've tried. And I've had, I've had, actually, I've had doctors that have been very upset with me um, because I said, hey, uh, abortion is healthcare. And then they didn't like that. Um, and they tried to find me and hunt me down um, and have found me sometimes. And I'm like, ooh, you got a little too close. So, yeah, uh, yeah, sometimes people are a little vindictive online, and you know, I got to protect yourself. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally understand. I'm glad you explained it so well. Um, and, and you're in your second year of medical school, and you are interested in psychiatry, in particular forensic psychiatry. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay, can you tell people what forensic psychiatry is? Well, I'm not the psychiatrist here, but I can give you a bit of introduction or a brief, <laughs> uh, a brief bit of what what I know about it. So, I'm not either, just in case anyone wants to know. <laughs> that is not me either. But go on. And Solman can 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 correct me, obviously. But um, yeah, from what I understand, from what I know, it's that it's it's the <clears throat> branch of psychiatry that tends to work with uh, criminals in the criminal justice system, um, people that are you know on trial, people that are you know between trials, whatever, in order to dictate you know their level of competency, their level of uh, fitness to stand trial. Um, and as well as being expert witnesses to uh, cases, like I, I know the the one that I work with, I work a shadow of uh, forensics, and she often works with uh, the FBI and gets called in on expert witness cases um, in order to do anything from competency all the way through just being able to give a profile. So, yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good nutshell. Uh, so the reason that you know plays into today's topic is we are going to discuss serial killers. It was an idea you actually brought up, Bone. So thanks for for doing that, and I appreciate you. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, and I have questions. I think that I would love to hear both of you guys weigh in on. 
uh, Dr. Mirza, we're obviously going to rely uh, on on your expertise in psychiatry here to help us with some some basic terms. Oh, before I forget, though, uh, we're, in, this, we're in trouble because I know they would love to have their name associated with serial killers. This episode is being brought to you by Lucky Dog Hot Sauce. All of today's contestants will go home with a case of Lucky Dog Hot Sauce, my personal favorite hot sauce. I can't recommend it enough. Get it. Try it. You'll love it. Find them at luckydoghotsauce.com. When you think Lucky Dog Hot Sauce, think serial killers. That's what I want the listeners to go home with. Let's start, Dr. Mirza, with just some basic terminology, okay? When we talk about serial killers and we talk about we, we talk about them in, in popular culture, the terms sociopath and psychopath come up a lot, sometimes interchangeably. Can you yep. define what these terms mean and what might be more appropriate in this setting of discussion of serial killers? Yeah, it's it's interesting because psychopathy, uh, sociopathy, again, these terms have been used interchangeably for a long time. And they came out of kind of different origins and different places. The, originally, the word psychopath was there that people were having kind of these behaviors that were not along with society. They were antisocial behaviors, emotional detachment, things along those lines. And then there was this kind of shift that happened a few decades ago. Well, not a few decades ago, about a hundred years ago, where there was this idea that saying the constant kind of argument of nature versus nurture. And when people were originally using the word psychopath, that's where it was that, that nature part. People were born evil. They were born a certain way and they were going to have these kind of antisocial behaviors. And then when there was this more of this kind of shift towards saying, well, let's start looking at the environment. Let's start looking at things. At, and during the behaviorism, that's where the word sociopath came about, where they're saying, well, I think these behaviors are a product of society and the environment around them. However, the main thing is that the word sociopath has recently, maybe about since you know the 60s and onwards, has been essentially taken out of psychiatry and psychology as a whole. So we don't use sociopath anymore. If you go into the DSM-5 and beyond, uh, or even before then, the word sociopath isn't there. Because there's been this, as we've done more research and as if we learned more, we've done more kind of like brain imaging, et cetera, we've seen that there isn't really a difference. I mean, you know, there is these people who have the psychopathic traits. We know that there is a psychopath scale that's out there, a psychopathy scale that's out there that people can use um, to kind of rate somebody's level of, of psycho psychopathy. So we've kind of not used this and we've understand that out that there is this kind of meld between the biological factors, the psycho factors and the social factors that are there that create these kind of people who have these behaviors. Is there a new nomenclature that we should be using when describing this? I mean, what when you're describing to another psychiatrist, uh, someone, with with the behaviors we're going to talk about, what yeah. terms would you give them? What what how would you describe them? Um, how, what what terminology would you use? Yeah, so we we use the word psychopath. That's the one we use. We don't use sociopath anymore. And the main real the things that we're looking for, even if we're looking at from personality disorder point of view, would be things like the most kind of equivalent diagnosis would be the antisocial personality disorder. Um, and those kind of behaviors that are associated with that are things like disregard of the law, um, a lot of lying, cheating, stealing. So kind of like my one of my wrestling heroes, Eddie Guerrero, rest in peace, mm -hmm. lie, cheat, and steal to win. Um, mm -hmm. Those are kind of things that are there. Being impulsive, you know, failing to plan ahead, um, acting irresponsibly consistently, um, easily provoked, angry, these kind of things. And the biggest things are things like lack of remorse um, and lack of connection, lack of kind of expected normal pro-social behaviors and emotions you know it's funny to me because i i had heard that about the term sociopath falling out of vogue but it still feels like psychopath is a loaded word as well and it feels like one of these words that like i have a hard time imagining a medical professional using you know i mean i'm assuming it's used exceedingly rarely yeah, I think the, the, if we look at the data, we're looking at you know less than 2% of the overall population, more closer to 1% of the population would fit somebody for antisocial personality disorder or potentially even psychopathy. 
sociopath is softer, right? Again, like yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of words like in medicine that when we look at them, when we use them, you know, we, we use the word retardation, you know, for all kinds of things, right? And, and it comes across so poorly when other people hear it, they're like, oh my God, you use the word retard, retardation. Yeah. It's like, no, it, do, it doesn't mean that. Like growth retardation just means you haven't grown as much, right? right? And uh, and I'm, I'm this, is, this is the limits of my like medical, you know, body, body <laughs> medicine kind of knowledge. Um, but, you know, we, we use these kind of words that have these meanings that are there. Yeah. Um, but psychopath is the word, sociopath is the word that's colloquially out there. And, and psychiatry is really interesting with mental health is that there's so many words that have kind of crossed over to like everyday language yeah. that are being used incorrectly all the time. We hear it all the time. The weather is so bipolar, you're right, acting right. so OCD, like what, what is, what is depression? Everything is trauma nowadays. Again, these words are being thrown around and they've lost meaning essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Um, okay. So talking about serial killers, I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on this and, and bone. I'll let you start first. I don't know if it's a resurgence in the last 10 years or if it's always been there, but all you have to do is look at Netflix and there's like no less than three Dahmer movies or documentaries. There's like two John Wayne Gacy and two Ted Bundy things that show up just from the, from the briefest glance. Um, I guess my first question is why do serial killers fascinate us so much? One, is it an American thing? And, and two, just in general, why do they fascinate us as humans? I so it's funny because I, I was at a uh, I was at a lunch with a professor and my classmates like a couple weeks ago, and me and another guy who were both interested in psychiatry started just gossiping and talking about just like you literally just table talk serial killers, and it's just because it's um, at least for me and someone who's been in forensics, it's it's the idea of why somebody would do this to someone else. Um, there are so many examples throughout history. I mean, you could look on like the, the list of serial killers on um, on Wikipedia, and it's in the two hundreds plus of the people they know, and most of them they don't know the names of. They just know there are bodies associated, and they don't know who. Um, but from I think for most people, it's a kind of a gross morbidity. I guess it's kind of like the uh, it's like watching a train wreck where you're like, oh, I don't want to look away, but it's going to be really horrible when it hits. Yeah. Um, but for I guess for me specifically, it's that it's 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 the why does this happen and why can't we stop them? Like why can't we? You know, I will. I guess we'll talk about this later. But why can't we fix this right now? Like we don't have enough information to know how to fix this. Like fix these people before they get to this point. And if they get to this point, we can't. We don't, we don't know how to fix them from there. You know, it's not something we know how to do yet. And that's just what's super fascinating to me. But I think a lot of people, it is it is definitely that morbid fascination um, because a lot of people won't want to watch, you know, Silence of the Lamb is followed by, you know, some other horror movie after another, after another, because it's too real for them. But for me, mm-hmm. it's like, this is just obviously not a not a real depiction of, of, of you know, what we're talking about, but it's it's just a, again, it's that, it's that I- intrigue in, into why the brain works that way. Um, and as far as American thing goes, like maybe, um, obviously I'm, I'm American. I'm as white as the, you know, the day is long. No, I know that. Don't say no, that about no yourself. Way. No, you came into this call That's... and I'm like, oh, you guys are both the most Persian people. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm white. I couldn't tell. I thought that was a filter. I didn't think that yeah, it I'm could sorry. be this yeah, white. Just, I thought it was like a ghost filter. Light here. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> but, so sorry. <laughs> but I know that, I know that the, uh, the list of serial kills, like if you look at, you know, where they've been it's not an american thing to have serial killers it's just an american thing to be to have to, to have knowledge of the, the the discrete knowledge of them like we know that they are in other countries like you know jack the ripper is a really famous case that's in london and that's one of the oldest ones we have um but if you look you can look at like the ones that are in india and china russia they don't get caught because they don't have the level of you know you know i say a lot about our police force but we well, do have a big police force. We have a militarized police force. Yeah. My my question is though, is the fascination with serial killers an American thing, or is that more universal? I think it's American. Um, but I also can't say for sure. I, I we do have the highest amount of these like you know, serial killer documentaries, these um, you know, and, and there's like the one with Casey Anthony just came out too. I mean, not even serial killers, but just murderers in general. We have a fascination with the murder mind, you know. Solomon, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily just an American thing. I think we have, as a humanity, 
like a fascination with that. Like we can go, we can go back to like Freud stuff, you know, and we'll, we'll get our cigars and our glasses and <laughs> our lines of lines of cocaine out. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about Freud, but like you know, he he had this concept of people having these drives in life, right? That there's the 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 sex drive, the uh, what's it called, eros, and that which is you know the drive towards life, and commonly we call it like the libido nowadays. Yeah, and then right, then mm-hmm. the opposite of that is is Thanatos, which is the drive to death, which you know we call nowadays Marvel has you know used Thanatos <laughs> to Thanos to be making you know snapping away half of you of the galaxy, right? And that's kind of that idea is you know when we really really read it and look at into it is that while there is a drive to life, there's also that drive for death, and we want it. We kind of that's a goal of life is the ultimate of, of death or we know that it ends in death so there is a fascination with it there's an unconscious kind of like pull towards it um that's there and i think also we 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 kind of like what what bone was saying was that when we're looking at these documentaries we also want to know and say you know how do we protect ourselves so it is that kind of right, survival instinct sure. in a way kind of kick in yeah. to be like oh my god this can happen to me and what can i do to avoid this happening to me as as most as you know as much as possible and how can we learn from these people how can we study these people so that again this doesn't happen to to myself so there's that aspect of it as well to say the uh the thing i i know too from from you know my my classes in psychology and stuff like that which again don't have the expertise that that uh solman has but it's the uh the call of the void is one of those big things that we see um in philosophy and psychology too is that you know that thing everybody has is like we're driving down the road and you're like ooh, i could just turn the wheel and go into the ditch you're like well why don't i do that you know that kind of thing yeah and that's just the same level of um why does the brain do with what the brain does and why can someone go this far into doing something so horrible that we see, you know, and the victims could be in the thirties to hundreds sort of thing. So. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, I think a lot of people probably at some point heard some voice in their head. That's like, Ooh, why don't you just see what it would be like to jump off that building? But luckily for the most part, there's this other voice in their heads that are like, stop, that would be counterproductive. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're lucky with that. And, and I, in getting back to something you said, Solman, like, um, you know, it it is interesting. That's one of my excuses for watching these films too, like these documentary movies about serial killers is I want to be like, okay, how can I learn? What do I learn to like look for, to, to, to watch out for? But I think the reality of it is that a lot of us like to be scared. We experience adrenaline endorphin rush and we feel it fear, but in a controlled way, that's not actually dangerous. We like it. Um, Right. But the question I have is when people are watching these things, when people are drawn to serial killers, I'm wondering, is it because what the serial killers are doing is so foreign and so bizarre and so outside of the realm of the normal? Or is it because they kind of understand and they're kind of like, that person, that little sick voice in my head says to do this. That's interesting (laughs) to see someone doing that. That's that's kind of what worries me a little bit, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the other thing is like it is that double aspect of it right with when we watch scary movies we play violent video games like again like i love you know mortal i always say this all the time mortal Kombat's my favorite video game series i love i've been ripping heads off and hearts out and all that stuff for for decades three decades plus now um but i don't do that in my real life right so i'm able to do that in you know i do that in the video games hopefully right or at least i'm not telling anybody about it right um, but you know we we do that out there we do it on the screen so that we can get that out almost so we can kind of indulge that fantasies that may be there right there's that aspect where we have anger frustration you know and we don't act on these things we may have the thoughts there you know i was even just driving today like some kid was driving around and cut me off and i had my you know my other kids in the back of the minivan and i pulled up and i rolled down the window and i was like yelling at the guy and i was like afterwards i was like man i acted out on that I, I, maybe i shouldn't have done that it could have been a bad situation <laughs> yeah. you know it could have been who knows if like he could have you know pulled a gun out of me or done x y and z but like you know a lot of times we don't do something again that voice in our head tells us don't do this so when we watch these you know movies like you know horror movies go on roller coasters watch documentaries it is kind of really indulging that aspect of it living that out almost a little bit then also no being in the safety of like you know i'm in my bed and i'm in my house i'm in my couch i'm watching this i'm safe i can 
get that danger without actually being in danger. Yeah, right, right. Well, so, I always think about it, it's how how interesting it was that the the Dexter TV show. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time, but it's how famous it was and how popular it was for being, you know, almost it's a vigilantism, but it was also a serial killer who, um, you know, had it had a ritual. He had, you know, he had a thing. He had a whole thing he did every single time he killed someone, and it was, um, it was just a thing we watched. We all watched that for nine seasons. You know, I maybe. It was 18, well, like come on! I, I stopped now. after like season one or two because, but okay, not well, all of I us watched. watched. Seasons, so yeah. I I devoured that. I, yeah, um, I dipped out after I think season four or five. Out, then I was done. Wow, not really true fans here, guys. Um, no, you know, you know. <laughs> it, it got it got um, real no, bad. It got pretty bad. <laughs> it did get bad, and it got better, and then it got better again. Um, but there was a bad bit, yeah. Um, but and it's interesting too because like there was a there was a serial killer who used the the crimes of Dexter to do his crimes. Um, so, you know, we've, we've had this media, you know, for the longest time, um, and it's been popular media too. Like Dexter was popular in almost most crowds, um, widespread enough for that it, it, it had a resurgence season later too. So it's, it's definitely media we've all consumed. Um, and well, I don't know whether or not it's sublimation or if it's just the, the way that we just, we just don't want to go and act off our, um, our thoughts, you know? So you, you mentioned something interesting there. You talked about the ritual, uh, can you explain a little bit about what that means? I mean, is this something that is uh, a part of serial killers as we know them? Uh, I'm sure not every serial killer, but is this part of what how we define it, a serial killer, like the ritual like they have? Like for Dexter, it was like he like, I, I can't remember, like he duct taped them down or something. Or, and yeah, then, then did, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, so is that, is the, is the ritual part of it? So I guess, you know, obviously, Solomon, please cut in if you if I say something wrong. But um, serial killing itself is going to be the you know three or more separate instances of killing it. You know, one or more people, right? But the the instance of rituals, though. So uh, an article I found was that um, almost ninety seven percent of or sorry ninety five percent of cases of serial killing have some manner of ritual, and ritual is only going to be thing. I think it's like. Um, mutilation beyond like the, the normal amount of what you need to kill someone um, torture uh, g- going back after the crime and going something with the body so really what it is is there's something on the crime scene that is unnecessary for the homicide um, versus like a signature which is something mm-hmm. else that the FBI has identified as a distinct or unique behavior um, not seen at any time uh, or any other time or any other crime scene you know in that in that vicinity right um, and so the FBI found that the, uh, they called it calling cards, which is really cliche, I guess, or maybe we took the term later and made that popular, you know, this is the 1980s when they figured this out. Um, but they said almost in 95% of cases, there's at least some instance of, uh, an, an extra beyond the homicide, something else going on. Um, there was a study that said it had 85 or sorry, it had, um, uh, 90 plus offenders with five plus crimes, um, or five plus murders, uh, and it said like 70%, 73% had disfigurement, you know, 84% had necrophilia, 86% torture, blah, blah, blah. So like there was a lot, you know, they, they, it's not something that's in every case, but it's a lot of them. Hmm. What, sure. uh, when you look at the stories and you look at the other signifying features of serial killers, it, what what is the thing that is, when they describe the people, what are the common running themes? I mean, if we were to believe what I see on Netflix, it's all quiet white dudes. Is that pretty accurate? Oh, that's yeah, it is remarkably accurate, at least for American serial killers. Um, for other countries, it depends. Obviously, you're not going to have the quiet white guy, in, you know, in India, but you're going to have that same level of um, kind of unassuming nature. Um, a lot of the time, when you see these, the, the, the commonalities tend to be like a a person that has. Um, some ability to be glib, which is like, you know, being, um, I guess, lying with a straight face, right? Being able to lie with a straight face, kind of being able to kind of put on a mask. Um, but it is a lot of time, it is, it is just the, the quiet white guy that, that you know, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have known it was him. Like, I mean, I've come ahead, like Ted Bundy wasn't, you know, he was really charismatic. Um, Dennis Rader had kids uh, and a mm-hmm. wife. Um, Who's that? I'm not familiar uh, with that one. Who's that? Dennis Rader is the the bind, twitter, kill, uh, uh, killer, BTK BTK. guy. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and like, you know, John Wayne Gacy, just named three big ones. They also had a wife and I think he had a kid. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but I know he had a wife. Um, and he was pretty popular in, you know, in the local politics too. So they do, they, they are tend to be overwhelmingly white and male female serial killers are very rare. Um, and they tend to be a very different MO and a very different like set of situations going on. Let's segue here into some listener questions because I have more questions that relate to this, but I think they're covered in some of these listener questions. So I think we should start getting to them. Let's start with one from uh, Judy Melanick, uh, Dr. Judy Melanick uh, at Twitter. If you don't know who she is, she's an an amazing author. Her and her husband write these great uh, medical mystery uh, novels. But here's one that we'll get into something I want to discuss, which is, can you explain how to determine if someone is competent to stand trial? And this is a question, Solomon, that I, I think I think a lot of us probably have. It was like, by definition, you if you're doing these things that these guys have done, it's almost like they have to be insane, right? How could they not? Um, so how is that determined in the court of law? It's It's a great question. And it's something that's like really commonly mistaken even within the hospital system you know when a psychiatrist one of the number one questions that we get is oh can you assess somebody for competency and then we always say can you do you mean capacity right so there's that aspect all right so competency is a legal term capacity is a medical medical term and when we talk about competency competency to stand trial it's pretty simple in a way um the definition of it there's two things that need to be met essentially one is that the person understands the charges um and two they have an understanding of the procedures that are going on against them and that's really it for competency to stand trial um so that's what we're really looking for so then what the job of like a forensic psychologist psychiatrist someone in the forensic field is to say or even just like a regular jury or a regular judge and jury juries to say, is a person competent to stand trial? Are they able to understand what's, again, the charges, what will happen to them, and the procedure of the course proceedings? So how does that affect, I mean, I know we're getting into legal aspects here that probably yeah. no one here is, is really equipped to answer, but we, we're always under the assumption in popular culture that if you plead insane, you have a Mm -hmm. much better chance of not being put to death. You're going to go maybe to like a cushy, quote unquote, like mental institution, uh, some more nicer than say like Folsom prison or something like that. Um, In in reality, how does it change? How does it make a difference in in where that, how their court trial goes and how their sentencing goes? This comes down really state to state state by state when we talk about ngris not guilty by reason of insanity or somebody pleading the insanity defense it really comes down to again state by state and what the laws are over there majority of the time um you know and i got into a fight with a, a old friend of mine she's a lawyer slash model not really doing much of the lawyering and that's maybe why we got into this fight about it um but she was i think she was saying something about like about after unfortunately one of these like mass shootings occurring and made a Facebook comment of like, Oh my God, I can't believe these people are psychotic um, and doing these things. Think these kind of comments. So I, I was like, you're a lawyer, you know, that it's not psychotic. That's not the term that we use for these kind of things. You know, we, we can say that it's terrible and it's X, Y, and Z, but it's not psychotic. So when we talk about competency, and psychosis and not guilty by reason of insanity, these kind of things, we're really looking to see, again, at the time that the incident, whatever the alleged crime occurred, did the person have a full sense? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Of what was going on or around them. I've worked like in, you know, during residency training, like in forensic uh, prisons, worked with people who've murdered their families, murdered other people. And the co- oftentimes will have some history of psychotic mental illness, things like schizophrenia, or they'll have a major depressive episode and they'll have a psychotic break at the moment, anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're really trying to kind of say, hey, is there history to support this this is where again the, the forensic psychiatrists psychologists are making their money is really sitting down or putting out these reports to say there's a history of this happening people witnesses who were there could have you know there's statements that were being made to kind of prove or to say that the person was probably not in a normal state of mind and a quote-unquote within their senses at the time of the crime occurring have you ever seen a case where somebody has been otherwise unremarkable, no past medical history, no criminal history, has one moment of intense, horrible, horrific violence, and then it seems to just go away. Um, is that is that ever the case, or is there always have? To, I mean, no, I mean, we're talking in absolute terms that are you know yeah. impossible to to do. But is can you see that, or do you normally have to have some history behind it? Most of the time, most of the people that I've like run into or had experiences with, like they've had a history of something or other for a while. And then, you know, they've made statements or they'll keep coming back when they're referencing whatever happened to them. Um, you know, there is that break from the reality that's there. We had a, a guy who was in the VA hospital and I'll change some details to kind of yeah. protect HIPAA and all that stuff was like, Please. he had essentially like murdered his brother because he was convinced that he was stealing some bodily fluids from him mm-hmm. and this is you know the the murder happened you know again decades ago but he would still kind of reference it like to this day or to that day that like it was a common thing that's happening he's like watch out for my brother he's stealing these things from me man and you know it's again this break that's there to kind of say like this guy's not all right you know the stuff is going on that's you know these are the people that are going to end up in in those state psychiatric hospitals, people who are going to be not guilty by reason of insanity. Are the people that have, again, these, these momentary breaks that are there and then they have these episodes of rage? Sure, right? So that can happen. And a lot of times that's going to really depend on, you know, for that person who doesn't have the history to kind of quote unquote get off or to be ruled not guilty by reason of insanity, witnesses that need to be there to kind of corroborate that. Because otherwise, then you know, we've had the people who always, always, cry for those again i think it was the um the batman shooter the guy in the movie theater mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. claiming he was insane and that would got thrown out so people who when they claim this again it's it's not always successful the success rate for people who are trying to get off by not by ngri status is really really is pretty low yeah, i should mention you've said this before i believe in some of your uh tiktoks uh that people with a history of mental illness are much more likely to be harmed physically than to harm someone physically. I think we probably should mention that. I think that's hopefully well known at this point, but um, looking at some of the, because Bone, I know you've been researching a lot of these, these cases here, looking at some of the diagnoses they've been given, do we have access to what diagnoses the, these serial, some of these serial killers have been given? So, the thing is, is a lot of these don't get, I mean, that's a lot of medical information that we don't get. However, unless they're, you know, obviously they're not guilty by reason of insanity. The only one that I know of um, that I think a lot of people might know of is Ed Gein. Serial killer from like the 19, 1906. Um, he, so if, if, if I can make this really quick, like the TLDR, uh, the long didn't read, <clears throat> is that uh, the movie uh, American Chainsaw is based off of him. And so is Psycho. Um 
Texas so Chainsaw to... Massacre, young man. Know your history. This is important for American say? American. You think oh, American Horror right, Story? Texas Chainsaw, yeah, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. My bad. Amer- American American Psycho. Bunch of words. We're, getting, we're getting everything mixed I up. I think I thought American Psycho at the same time. My yeah, bad. Yeah, That's a good movie blur. too. It's all blur. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he um, he killed his uh, his brother, his mother possibly, um, and then a woman uh, in the town, um, and also uh, in the town that he was in, and then you know was just grave robbing um cutting up bits and pieces off people using them to make lampshades to make you know just the 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 most grotesque things um but he was found not guilty by reason of insanity because of his um diagnosis of schizophrenia um so that was that was what got him off more or less but it's mostly because i mean what Solomon was saying is that he doesn't he didn't know what he wasn't okay right that he wasn't okay i mean obviously what he did was horrific but he wasn't okay um and he needed to get real help for that um so that's the only one i know of off the top of my head that is it is a you know tried and true like that was insanity not reason you know reason insanity um a lot of serial killers that we've had you know the access to like the information they don't have a lot of diagnoses i mean they have um obviously psychopathy you know antisocial personality disorder but they don't have things that would be critical to be saying that person is not guilty by reason of insanity like someone was saying it, it often doesn't happen like i mean ted bundy you know he didn't have anything in his history you know they they went through his history they didn't have anything the biggest thing that you could look and point at and be like hey this is a this is a big thing was that his uh when he was born out of wedlock his mother um pretended to be his sister and his grandfather pretended to be his father in order to cover that up in the 1940s and 50s so <sighs> but that i mean you know that's weird and not you know probably probably a bit traumatizing but wasn't anything to 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 set this off or to have that um have what happened occur um so yeah then no there's a lot often we don't see that you know they don't see this this like clear classic like oh this is schizophrenia that caused him to do this no it's usually it's just like oh like it just happened that's that's why i think one of the biggest reasons why it's so intriguing is we don't really you don't really see it until you see it or you have them come in for something else and then you go oh this person is not not fit to be leaving this hospital sort of thing you know it's interesting uh i actually did my in medical school you do two months of psychiatry rotation generally and and my two months i was um sent to the jail for forensic psychiatry um no one wanted that rotation um but and i to be fair i was not ex- super stoked about having to spend two months in a jail. Um, but uh, I got to leave at the end of the day, which was nice. <laughs> um, and I learned a ton. And I saw some amazing cases that to this day I have stuck with me for good and, and definitely for bad. And I remember specifically, I was there and the like the guards were like, hey, can you do a physical exam on this one guy? And, and I'm like, oh, sure. Because I mean, I was a medical student at the time. I probably had the best physical exam skills of, of any medical professional oh, in best. that place. Absolutely. So um, I go into this tiny little room. It's basically like a closet. And I'm a, a large mammal myself. Um, and the guy who was in the room with me made me feel dainty and small. And normally I like that. But this was not that much fun. Because <laughs> um, he was like, I don't know, six seven massive monster of a man but he seemed to have the 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 mind of a child he kind of giggled and he was like oh, this, this the stethoscope touched him he's like hee, hee, hee. and he was like seemed completely innocent and sweet to be honest with you and uh when it was done like i i sent him out and i turned to the 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 you know the uh, officer who was there and i was like what was he in for and they're like oh yeah that guy he killed his family and with him <laughs> but, but but honestly when i was there with him i felt like whatever it was was gone i mean i didn't feel that i mean i don't know yeah. what there's clearly he wasn't right there was some there was some sort of i don't know what what his underlying medical issue or psychological psychiatric issues were but um yeah. i i never got that sense it's really fascinating to me and i think that's really you know a thing that people like sometimes forget when we're talking about these things is that the nature of mental illness is, is they're not always there all the time, right? These delusions, these psychoses, these breaks from reality, it's not a 24-7 thing for a lot of people. They may come 
in episodes so that people may act a certain way uh, or have a certain break or some behaviors that occur or reactions that may occur. And a lot of the times when we t- people are, again, NGRIs, not because of bad reason insanities, they're not sitting down and planning these things out, right? They don't have the capability, the mental capacity to kind of like, let me become a serial killer, right? They're, you know, don't, again, there's that aspect where they're serial killers, there's an intelligence level, right? There's a, yeah. a, a massive amount of uh, mental capacity, a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of ways to like not get caught that goes into it. So when we yeah. think about it from that point of view of like, logistically, it's hard to be a serial killer, right? Yeah. You have to dispose of the body. You have to not get caught. You have to like, you know, clean yourself off all these things. If you're somebody who's struggling with mental illness and like, you know, having trouble with day-to-day life, like you're not going to be a very good sailor killer. Yeah, and right. that's why a lot of these people, when, you know, if something were to occur with these people, they get caught really easily. Yeah. And then that's how they end up in the prison system or the psychiatric state hospital system. The the biggest thing that I think what you just said there too is that um, with a lot of cases, the police negligence is one of the biggest reasons why we don't catch them right away. Um, like back in uh, the 70s and 80s when, you know, being a homosexual was like taboo as could be. Um, killers like John Wayne Gacy, um, uh uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, the ones that the ones that had victims were mostly boys, young boys, um, and were obviously being very sexually, literally sexually motivated crimes. Um, the police wouldn't wouldn't touch those um, because they were they, to, to touch a to touch a crime that was you know involved homosexuals was to make you a homosexual, and that was not good. We didn't like that, right? Like that their mentality was so, so disgusting towards um, the LGBTQ community that they just would not investigate these obviously blatant crimes. Like they said that the moment they walked into Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment, it was just a stench of death hit them. Um, Had they done an inkling of, you know, research or, you know, being like, Hey, this young boy is running away from us. And this guy is chasing after him. They wish to see what's going on. And they didn't, you know, they didn't. And he continued to kill like two or three more people after that. And a lot, a lot of it is yeah. negligence. They, they miss, they miss these, these well, obvious signs of I, these people. They're like, oh, oh. I, I'm going to ask you guys uh, this question in, in a moment. But I, of, of all the cases that I know, I don't study serial killers in that much depth. But I have seen, you know, some Netflix shows, and I've done. I, you know, I have my morbid curiosities, just like anyone else. So I'll, I'll watch things. But that Dahmer case in particular is really troubling to me, uh, and really. Oh, bothersome! <laughs> really, can't, hard to I had a hard time getting past that one, and I went down a rabbit hole to look into it, just to sort of go over again what what you were describing there. What happened was one of his victims was a young man, like fourteen years old, who he had lured into his place, like with uh, you know this this offer to take pictures of him for money, like a modeling type thing, um, and he was going to give him money for it. He ended up drugging the kid drilling a hole into his head to try and do this weird lobotomy thing he was trying to do on on some of his victims. Uh, He went out to go get beers. He came back and he found that the kid had somehow managed essentially being naked to make it out the door, stumbled and fell outside. There were people there in the apartment building had called the police. The police had come and the police had said to, you know, Dahmer, you know, who, who is this kid? And he was like, oh, he's my lover, which is already weird. They, I mean, the kid's 14. They don't even recognize that. The kid has blood coming from his rectum, like that the the bystanders had noticed. The cops take him back up. They don't do a check on Dahmer when they do. If they had done a check on Dahmer, they would have found that Dahmer had done prison time for what? For molesting the same kid's older brother. It's fucking insane. And then these kids, just like you, the, he he kills, they, they give him back to this kid because he says it's his lover and the kid unfortunately dies. What makes the story infuriating to me even beyond that is that, yes, these two cops were put on probation for a while, but they were eventually reinstated with full back pay. And one of them, at least if not both of them went on to have successful police careers, but one of them became like the police union chief for like, 10 years it's the most insane infuriating thing and there's so many different stories that bother me the john Wayne gacy one really bothers me because he's just mean and he's a bully and there's something about that that really fucking pisses me off but 
there's that that one of the how the police incompetence led to it, it it's hard to stomach uh, what what are the ones yeah. what are the ones that bother i mean they're all bothersome but which are the ones you find yeah. sit the worst with you that you guys were were thinking about the most afterwards and it made you the angriest or made you the most upset my my one i i that i hate the most is uh Picton, um, Robert Picton. He's a Canadian serial killer. I want to say he had you know, almost in the fifties. Um, but what his his you know mo was to lure uh, uh, sex workers to his farm, um, have sex, and then kill them, and then dump their bodies in the pig farm and let feed them to the pigs. Um, which I think is also a Criminal Minds episode too, which is just you know one end of itself. But um, the thing I hate about those, and it's the same thing with. LGBTQ community and everything like that is what the term is the lesser dead. Uh, and when it comes to comes to crime, it comes mm-hmm. to serial killers, it comes to any of these kind of issues, it's the people that don't in, they don't notice going missing because they don't care enough to check. Um, and a lot of the time, you don't catch them until there's a gross population missing. You know, you have fifty serial, fifty you know sex workers missing, and the remaining of that sex worker population is like, we're we have like lost our friends, like where are they gone? And you can't get access to those police yeah. officers for that. Um, that's what always upsets me the most is when it's it's these it's these these victims that they don't care about enough to look into. What What about you, Soma? Yeah, I mean, just going to add on to that is like you know the idea that this is something that's throughout american history and, and human society as a whole too like you know we talk about you know part of what i do is addiction work um you know the war on drugs and how nobody cared about a lot of these epidemics and the opioids and etc until until the opioid opioid epidemic which was hitting mostly suburban rural people more so than urban populations which like other drug epidemics were causing havoc before and hiv aids etc that's it was when when you know Patrick Johnson, a rich black person, a famous black person, becomes the face of HIV/AIDS, that people are like, "Whoa, I got to do something about this." Going back a little bit for you know, for my again favorite psychopath per se, or the one who's most fascinating to me is not a classic serial killer per se, but Jim Jones, um, mm. the 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 cult oh, leader yeah. in yeah, in Jonestown. Like I I could watch stuff on that endlessly. Um, because it's so fascinating to me that like you know for people who are not familiar this was i think in 1980 i think it, that it occurred uh, but he was a essentially a cult leader out in san francisco and uh he created this kind of um colony in south america i can't remember exactly where it was um but it was in you know that this is where the term drinking the kool-aid came from they were going to be um they were getting checked out by some senators and some reporters came thought they were under attack at that point in time and then essentially like overnight or in the next morning decided we're going to do this mass suicide and you know give everybody some cyanide laced kool-aid essentially or not kool-aid it's flavor aid it was um, flavor aid yeah <laughs> flavor aid so i think it was 900 something people that died and i think before um up until 9 11 it was the greatest like loss of americans at one point in time in history and it was just fascinating that you have this this huge group of people that can be so in this cult and believe somebody so much so deeply that they'd be like, "Yes, we're gonna go to we're gonna drink this and we're gonna go die." Again, some people it was against against their will, their will but like, yeah. yeah, but there was enough that were like, "This right. is what we're gonna do, and this is what we're gonna do." Yeah, we're that told is to do it. That is that is fascinating. That is it's a very different type of killer, and it, that requires us. I mean, a certain level of, I don't know, charisma, charm. I don't know how you convince yeah. someone. How do you get someone that to that point? But it's happened oh, in multiple times. You know, people have been able to do that. It's a, if I had one tenth of that sort of skill, I would be a much more famous podcaster. <laughs> um, and I would use it for good. I promise you. I would use, use it for, for good. good. Um, all right. So we have one, I have, I have time for one last question for you guys. This is the thing I've been thinking about now a lot is, um, you know, I, is it possible to make movies about these people that is not completely offensive to the families? Like, I can't imagine what the families that have 
done have had experienced loss due to a serial killer have to go through every fucking time there's like a new movie about the person that killed their family member you know and oh it's zach efron this this week you know like that must be fucking insane i don't is it possible to do it, it, it i mean how i mean i don't know <laughs> that's that's my question for you i think i don't know i think my my thing is the the best ones i watch are like I, I say Criminal Minds several times now, but Criminal Minds is one of those really good ones where they don't take the specific cases, but they take the the idea of what happened in the case. Like almost every episode they have has had like the idea of what happened in the case. They bring it in, and then they do you know their FBI, you know BH, you know BAU, and then they catch the bad guy and they honor the victims of that specific episode. And while it's not the victims of our you know our crimes it doesn't ever step on those victims on the on the people that mm-hmm. actually lost life but it does it does bring that case in it gives you that little bit of morbid curiosity it's it's real enough that you can go and look it up and be like oh that's what real happened but you still get that that justice i guess from it too because a lot of these guys didn't get you know they don't get justice from a lot of these a lot yeah. of these serial killers they mm-hmm. either died by the electric chair you know inject lethal injection they don't end up usually serving time um at least not recently, because we had death penalty for most of these cases. Yeah. What are you saying? I think it. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's it's really hard because you want to again we share the stories, tell the stories a bit, but you don't you want to really kind of emphasize so much like how terrible these people are and and were. You know, one of the issues you know we've seen it in kind of popular fiction, popular world. Um, I've been a very vocal critic of the Joker movie that came out, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, hmm. because, you know, Joker, I love Joker as a character throughout, again, the hundred something years that Batman's been there, uh, his portrayals, he's always, he is the typical psychopath, right? He is the classical kind of fictional psychopath, he, you know, murders on a whim, there's no kind of rhyme or reason to things. The backstory doesn't matter so much for him. It's, he's just there. He's just this agent of chaos. Joker, the one that just came out recently, you know, you, you tried to build empathy for him. They're, they told the story. So they're like, this is why it occurred. And this is where he's coming from. And we should feel pity and you should feel justice for it. Like, you should feel like, yeah, he's right. Joker was a good guy. Like, mm-hmm. And that's like, that's one of my main hatred because I was like, no, Joker is an asshole. He's a terrible person. He's a yeah. psychopath. He's there's no redeeming qualities about him. And we shouldn't be made to feel like I'm rooting for this guy almost. And that's I think where some of the issues kind of recently I I, I stayed away from the Dahmer, the Netflix Dahmer fictionalization because I didn't want to watch it. I wasn't interested in watching it because I heard so much of the the negative feedback to it was like they played up, I think I saw like some clips on Twitter of people who were of some of the scenes where they kind of reacted out. Um, the courtroom scenes like and yeah. then the news footage almost like verbatim essentially and it's like how terrible must that be to have yeah. your life as a family of the victim kind of like played for entertainment and not for a sense of you know something else that's there and so it's a it's that balance of being like tell the story re-emphasize that the yeah. guy's terrible and there's no redeeming qualities and we don't want to root for him at all you know, I have to tell you, so I watched that whole series. I don't typically watch them, but that's one I watch the whole series of. And you're exactly right. What they started off with is a, like the first episode, you're like, oh, this guy is fucking evil. And then they go into like this whole like couple episodes where you're supposed to like feel for him. And then at the end, they bring in John Wayne Gacy to be almost as if to be like, look, this is what a real asshole is like. And, and you're like, no, this guy, they're both really fucking bad. Both really bad. It was hard. It was hard in that sense to watch. Also, it's like you, you when you have an actor that you like playing the guy, it's hard to not kind of like him. But I mean, I, I don't know what there is to be done about that. But um, yeah. all right, that was a uh, that was a uh, that was a pretty heavy episode, and I think you guys helped me navigate it very well. Thank you guys so much uh, for for yeah, coming on you. for this one. This was a not an easy one, but really fascinating. Oh. And, I think you guys both have a tremendous insight into this. Let me let me get your plugs because I do want people to know where to find you. Uh, Bone, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, primarily on Twitter because I, as much as it is going down in flames, I am sticking around for the end times. Um, at underscore Bone Wizard. So it's spelled the way it sounds. Um, and if you can't find it, then just look for Kavi's 
you know, Twitter and I'm probably there or Ryan Marina or any of the other regulars. Yeah. And, I, and just, John I Cena. And I just, I, yeah, John Cena follows John me. Cena now follows I get you. bots following me. Yeah, I get, I get bots now. I get a lot of bots following me because of John Cena. I blame him L- for it. Listen, man, if John Cena, if you can get <laughs> this episode out to John Cena, then I'm done. That's it. That's all I needed. If I could get <laughs> John Cena to, to listen to this one, that would be it for me. Um, Solomon, where can people find you? Yeah, so I I primarily came up um, in the past years plus about doing some, uh, got into this whole TikTok business about through a buddy of mine who lost his job through the pandemic, non-medical stuff, but he was like, oh, he's a British guy. He's like, oh, you should uh, really get into this. And now he's making a career out of you know narrating true crime stories on YouTube, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of which, you know, um, yeah. this is all right up his alley and I'll make sure that he gives us a listen for sure. Um, but I am the Kicks Shrink, uh, T-H-E and then Kicks, K-I-C-K-S and then Shrink, uh, S-H-R-I-N-K because I love sneakers. I love psychiatry and I try to uh, blend the two together. I do a lot of what I call edutainment, um, a lot of satirical stuff about poking fun of at psychiatrists, poking fun at uh, the healthcare industry as a whole. Um, so a lot of the stuff, you know, I, I, I have a lot of inspiration from Dr. Glockenfecken. He's a hero of mine in a way. Um, I'm, I'm the psychiatric version of him, some people have said. Um, so we try to do some stuff and put some things out there. And then uh, TikTok, Instagram, I have a YouTube channel as well. would do some more educational stuff on there. And then I do my own kind of podcast interviews as well. Um, on there as well so that's mostly and then my my twitter is um soul money i've had my twitter account around for 14 15 years since like since it's all started out um and it was my nickname at the time and still it's been there for for a long time so sol right. and then money but yep. does dr g follow you though that's the real question you know, unfortunately, he does not. You know, one one no. day I, I check I check every day. I wake up in the morning. I was like, "Is he following me yet?" And then <laughs> then I set I set a tone check. for the day when I don't. <laughs> I also check every day to make sure it wasn't an accident when he did follow me. Yeah. I don't know well, why. But just check every day, anyways. No, it's it's true. He followed me, and my whole life changed. It, yeah, everything, I'm, everything. That's I'm all you need to be happy. That's all you need. <laughs> It is. I know Big Big Pharma tells you like you need some other stuff, but I said, hey, yeah. if, if Dr. Block, Dr. she can follow me, I'll, yeah. I'll be cured. You're good to go. Well, good to here's go. the hoping. We'll we'll tag him in this maybe. Um, all right. Thank you guys all so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you to Nadine for help with production. You can follow me on Twitter if you want, at the House of Pod. I don't know. See how long I'm on there for. And uh, you can find me at Mastodon, maybe. Uh, and if not there, Instagram. Or, I don't know, just listen to the show. I, I mean, come on, just listen to the show. It's better than the, yeah. the, me tweeting anyways. Um, thanks, guys. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.